Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I don't get it. Podcast. Hello, I don't get editors. Today we have a very special topic, something that I cannot believe we haven't done in four years of this show. We're talking about animal rescue, and we have the founder of Bunnies Buddies, Amanda Joe. on. Uh, you guys don't know Bunnies Buddies. They have quite the social media following. They have they save dogs from all over the place. Um, they're the ones that Caitlin... Bristow got her dogs from. Uh, so we are so excited to have her on the podcast right now. Hello, Amanda. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. We're so excited. Um, like Ashley said, can't believe it's like taken this long. Yeah. So, so let's talk about how you got into animal rescue. Like at what moment did it go from seeing basically like the rescue ads on TV to you like taking action? Well, I think I was probably like everyone, you know, just a normal person that you kind of hear the whispers of, you know, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival. And we kind of all know what's going on, but we don't really know to what degree. And so I, I have another online business and I had two golden retrievers at the time. And one of my customers tagged me in a, one of those terrible videos online. And it was a golden retriever literally being tortured. And I just couldn't believe it. And so like in that moment, it just became different because that was my dog. That was my dog. I saw, you know, being tortured and not that it's okay that the other, you know, when you picture a dog meat animal, you picture just like maybe like a random street dog that you don't have that connection with. Not that that's okay, but I think that that's kind of how my, my mind pictured it. And so it just became so much more real when you're seeing literally a golden retriever is bound, tied up, being burned alive, boiling water poured on it. Um, so yeah, I, I, in that very moment, I I just wanted to scroll off and I just wanted to go about my day, but I couldn't. It was just like haunting me in my head. And so I remember rolling over to Kyle being like, uh, we're starting dog rescue, like literally right in that moment. And so, yeah, it was just like a, it, it was never a plan. It was never something like I've just been waiting to do. Um, it was just like, a, oh my God, I can't believe this is real and to this degree and like, I have to do something. And so that's the short story. So you founded Bunny's Buddies, you roll over, you tell, I'm assuming that's your husband, right? Yes. That you just yes. mentioned. Um, so how does it all work? How does one even, I don't want to ask how does one start a dog rescue, but more so I think I just want you to paint the picture of 
what's the day to day and how you got it started? Like, who do you call overseas? How do you, how do you find them and how do they get here? Yeah. So it was a lot of being just, you have to be completely motivated, like deep to your core. And I think that's the one thing that anyone that wants to be involved in any sort of like serious dog rescue, whether you're an adopter, whether you're me, you have to be like so passionately driven. It can't just be something that, you know, you're just thinking about and know that sounds cool. It has to be something that just like drives you inside. Like I feel fire when I think about it because I'm just so upset by what I see. So you really have to be driven by something so deep. And so that, that, drive and that fire really pushed me. I was like, I'm doing this no matter what, I'm going to figure it out. So I just started going online, making connections, following how other people were doing. And it really was just about connections. Um, I just started talking to people and really no one takes you serious because everyone says, Oh, I want to start a dog rescue. So when people come to me and say, I'm just like, okay, well then you should go do it. Um, so luckily people were nice and did talk to me. Um, but I wanted to prove to them that I was serious. So I started fundraising for other groups. And so I was donating, you know, tens of twenties of thousands of dollars to certain groups. And I think that made them ser- like see me as, okay, this person's serious and she's an asset. She can help us. And so I think that really helped. Um, so I made connections. I just did what I could to help other people, other groups. And then you know, as I felt more secure doing it myself, then I was like, you know, let's do it. I found a smaller group that helped me start with five Goldens because at the time, you know, I had my own Goldens. So I did start with Goldens, got five Goldens, fundraised on my business page. So I didn't even have like an Instagram or anything. So my customers were really a big part of this. Um, so we fundraised, and we just started with five dogs and connections are really important. So I had people that already had connections there. You work with locals there. Um, I have partners that I work with that live in Shenzhen, China. So my partners live there physically, which helps a ton. And then Korea, same thing. You just make relationships. I actually wanted to rescue a golden from this one woman and took my first dog from her and then we're, we've still worked together ever since. So um, just a lot of slow and steady building relationships, trust. So how do, how do you like go about finding the dogs that need help? How, like there's people obviously trying to make money off these dogs and like turn them into food. So like, how do you intercept them? Like, yeah. So day to day, now that I have my, system set up and you guys know I have partners in Korea and I have partners in China. Um, it really is just a matter of what are we dealing with? So, you know, there's a shelter in Beijing that's overcrowded. It has 5,000 different dogs that local groups have saved off of meat trucks. So there is no real government run shelters in China, how we have here. And so, Local groups will have, there's some shelters. I don't want to say there's none, but it's definitely not organized how we have it here. So we'll work with like independent, smaller shelters. And so really I take a lot of my dogs out of complete desperation. So this one shelter has 5,000 dogs and they're just dying. They're eating each other alive. They, the, the videos you get are just seas of barking. It's just like, how can you relax? How can imagine their mental health living in such high stress after they've already been saved from mm-hmm. that's like 
that's the after, you know, that's their safe haven and it's still hell. Um, so for example, in Beijing, I just took, I think 12 more dogs out of this shelter. Um, so it's, again, they were rescued by local groups that I don't have any involvement in, and then they get sent to these shelters, um, but they don't have the resources we have. They don't have food. We did a fundraiser just to get them food. Um, I did a fundraiser to get them flea and wor- deworming treatment. So they don't have any resources. Um, the videos you would see, literally, we the dogs will put their nose through the wire fences and eat each other alive. Oh, because my God. Wow. So when you see that, it's like, I don't have money. I literally, we were, I was tallying up the bills and we've raised over $2 million somehow. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you operate as a nonprofit or are you oh, yeah. just privately? Okay. So you you became a nonprofit, which is a whole thing within itself. That takes like a long time to do. Well, I was, that's, that goes back to that fire inside of you. I was like, and I had it done, I think in two months, found an attorney. It was like, this is what we're doing. This is what I need done. And so again, I, you know, I paid for all that out of my own pocket because of other business. Um, What is your other business? So the other business is, it's all like uh, natural, organic, non-toxic, everything. So makeup, cosmetics, um, and I do pet stuff too. So like only the best treats, wild, organic, non-toxic. You know, we don't allow anything bad. So flea collars, we have, you know, like amber resin stone collars. And so, so pretty. So that's actually called Organic Bunny, and then that's where Bunny's Buddies oh, came got from. it. Okay. Because one day I thought it would be really cool to have everything. You know, I, I mean, everyone that loves animals wants to help all animals. And so, you know, down the road when I maybe retired, it'd be cool to have, like, a sanctuary. And I pictured that as, like, Bunny's Buddies, like a place that, you know, all animals could go. Oh, I love that so much. I am just so proud of myself. You guys want to know why? Why? Because I have gotten so many people onto dad grass that it it like it makes my ego just feel so good when because you post when... about it all the time. <laughs> you with your like Carrie Bradshaw thing yesterday was funny. <laughs> I was so happy that I finally liked an episode yeah, of Anne just like that. We all that agree I... over here. Thank God that we, the three of us are so in sync that I literally took Dadgrass, which is CBD hemp joints that I love. They're on my coffee table. And I lit it up and I sucked it and I felt so amazing. And I was like, Carrie Bradshaw is back. And I ran into someone the other day that goes, I ran into someone the other day that goes, oh my God, Naz, I subscribed. I get Dadgrass all the time now because they had it at my house. And another friend went to this hotel in Ojai the Capri Hotel, I think it's called, where they have it in the lobby. And she's like, I'm going to buy dad grass. Anyways, I say that all to say I'm literally like amazing. No, I'm just kidding. I say that all to say dad grass is a CBD product that literally convinced me that CBD was an actual thing, meaning that I could take something that would chill me out whenever I needed. Um, but it's, it's all the best elements that you want from weed without the high. It's just the chillness. It's, you can kick back. You can relax. I light it up when I'm watching like a nice movie, when I'm having a nice dinner. And it's it's just the opposite of being too damn high. Mm-hmm. We've all Hate been there. Being like too we too damn high, I'll tell you that. Weed much. yeah, well, I like weed how, is tricky. I like how they uh they describe it. It's chill like chill out without getting stoned. It's like having a glass of wine, not the whole bottle. All dad grass products are federally legal for ages eighteen and over, and it ships right to your door anywhere in the US. 
And if you're traveling this season, no need to worry because you can take it wherever you want to go. TSA approved. TSA approved. That's so cool. Like, yeah, I'm just cool. I just have like, you know, these little joints that I'm not going to get <laughs> violently high from. Um, exactly. Right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash get it. You go to dadgrass.com slash get it for 20% off your first order. Again, that's dadgrass.com slash get it. So um, how do you pick which dogs you, you rescue from the shelter? I feel like we need to come up with another word for yeah. the shelter. I, it's like the... I don't know. I don't even know. Terrible place number two. Terrible place number two. The, the pound. You, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the pound. I mean, they're they're living there. They're not being killed there intentionally, but they are from other, oh, other things. Um, anyway, how do you decide which ones to save from there? It's horrible. I think one of the most common questions we get asked is, you know, why are you helping dogs there when, you, you know, dogs here need help and that's, valid point and I think animals need help everywhere so you know um, I'm not in disagreeance that animals here don't need help and we have helped local animals too but picking you definitely unfortunately you have to pick the dogs that you know someone is going to apply for and so that's what's that's what's so hard because I want to save every dog I don't care if you know, a mixed dog or a golden, um, but who is going to apply for a dog that has come from such trauma and who's really going to welcome that dog in. If I helped two dogs, one was a complete mixed dog with, you know, two legs or I help a golden retriever that's cute and fluffy, who am I going to get applications for? And I think you know the answer. The other hard part is the cost. So if I'm spending $5,000 helping a golden and the adoption cost is eight fifty. you know, who's going to pay that for a random dog they can find locally? And so I would love to help all dogs, but there are logistics that go into it. Finances is one. Just to fly a dog here alone is $3,200. So mm. who who's going to pay that for a dog they can find locally? So it's a very weird place to be in because you want to help other dogs too, but you also need people applying and people that are feeling called to help. So finding that uh, balance. Um, and there's just so many golden. So if I know I can find homes for those and I know I can only help 10 dogs, like if I personally can only help 10 dogs, I'm going to choose the one that I know I can. Total hopefully sense. Find, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, okay, so it's eight fifty for the adoption cost, and then for then do, does the person who's intending to adopt pay for their flight too? No, really. And so yeah, I you know for me, my biggest thing to find is the right heart. Like that is way more important to me than money. I can try to fundraise those costs, but for me, finding the person that really understands. What this looks like in the bigger picture is far more valuable. So um, I wanted to make the adoption costs, you know, affordable because let's be honest, you know, no one's going to pay $3,000 for a traumatized golden retriever. And so I had to really figure out, I mean, some people would. But yeah, you know. I was like, some people would. I don't <laughs> I would, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm like a different level and I've had to also accept that, you know, how I think see things is not the same as how most people see things. Um, 
So yeah, we, anything over the 850, we fundraise entirely. So wow. um, it's costing me at least, like I said, literally, I mean, I had one tiny, I don't even know what kind of breed she was, but she had uh distemper. And I think we ended up paying $10,000 just for her care. Just oh. this tiny little wow. mixed dog. Oh. Um, and so I adopted her out for $750. And so wow. that's, that's crazy to, to fundraise. And I mean, thank God we have the community community that we have. So I just want to clarify how, um, how is the, is the rescue run your rescue? You mean like financially? Financially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't even know people had like corporate sponsorships until the other day because we are entirely donation based. So our community is donating every penny. I have never taken a pay cut or salary or whatever that is. I've never taken one penny of donations and our costs are extremely high because, you know, the cost just to fly one dog is $3,200 just to fly the dog. So then we're adding in, you know, two PCR tests. That's another 2000. And so right now our average cost is 90,000 to operate. Um, 90,000 a year. No, a month. Holy moly. Wow. Holy moly. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. And so to someone that doesn't understand what I'm doing, you know, they think, where are you at? She's raising all this money. Where is it going? But like our costs are so astronomical um, because I have the 80 dogs stuck in China. Well, you know, I have to have housing. I have to have staff that's feeding, caring for them. We have like set play hours. So, you know, most people would probably just put them in, a, in a, an area and call it a day and say, they'll see you when they see you. But no, I want to make sure they're happy. I want to make sure they're getting attention. I want to make sure they're running and having activity. So we are so lucky that our community donates so much because these dogs get everything I can possibly give them. So they're definitely spoiled. We are giving them any medical treatments they need. Um, there's really nothing that we don't get them because all I have to do is ask our community, like if a dog needs a dog bed or if it needs a special, uh, fresh diet, I'll just ask and they donate. And so, um, yeah, low months, our costs is about 50,000, but I'm looking at one a month, like May of 2021, we had a cargo flight. So we spent 189,000 just on that month alone. Wow. wow. All donations, so, no pay cut for you, just the goodness of your heart and saving all these little doggies. So, Not little doggies, some big doggies. When people say, how can I help? You're probably like, please send money. <laughs> please send money and please keep watching so I can change your heart and yeah. take a dog home. Do you bring them over first and then post pictures and stuff? Or it's just... so. So in, okay, so you just shook your head no. So in some instances, you don't, do you ever meet these dogs or you just fly the dog straight to the, to the person adopting it? Yeah, our process is extremely unusual and not common at all. And I think that is confusing for people. We really, people really have to study what we do for a while, I think, until they get it. They're like, just at first glance, they're like, this is crazy. You just fly the dog directly to the house. But, um, so Say we rescue a dog off the street today. Um, The dog will go directly to the vet. Um, They will stay there. They get extensive testing. And so we, our bills are so high because we test them beyond anyone, like beyond any local group, beyond any breeder. We do 22 panel PCR tests. So we are really looking 
for any illness because we don't want to bring a dog here and get other dogs sick. We don't want to be part of a bigger problem. Um, so we're really, really mindful and we do as best we can to find anything possible before the dog flies. And so, I mean, we'll have dogs stay at our vets for six months sometimes if they're healing from something. Um, so yeah, they get extensive vet vetting done, the PCR panel, full blood work, if they need anything additional, like sometimes dogs need teeth pulled out because they'll chew on cages and they will have no teeth. Mm, they'll just have wow. none. So it really depends on the dog. Um, but yeah, they all go to the vet. They stay for as long as they need it. They get absolutely everything they need. If it's a special soft diet, we'll find homemade dog food people in China like <laughs> to make dogs, dog food. So all of the rehab is done in um, either China or South Korea. And then... Um, once they're healed, we'll try to get them into a foster if we can, so we can get notes on them. We can't always though. And so we, you know, the type of person that is down for that is very, it's a huge risk. And we tell people that, you know, we can't promise you that this dog won't come to your house and be a happy golden retriever. And maybe in two months, something will spook it and it will bite you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, we do, we do adopt people that are willing to take such a big risk and that kind of understand the bigger picture. So yeah, that once they're healthy, get as much notes as we can possible. Um, we do the same for the, the homes. We screen them as best we can to get to know the home. Can this home care for this dog? Does this make sense? Does this, this fit make sense? And then the dog will fly, fly directly to the United States. Does the dog fly alone? Um, uh, it depends. Every, every answer is so complex. Like, mm, it's methods, very, yeah, it's case every, by case. Yeah. Because there's so many different ways a dog can fly in general. So right now from China, the big problem is the United States has actually banned dogs from China from entering. So I'm, Oh wow. I'm in a huge crisis because I have 80 dogs in China. When, when did that happen? Recently? That happened, yes, that happened this last year. So the CDC said 113 countries are high risk for rabies import. And so any country deemed high rabies risk, you can't import a dog from. Even if they're tested negative for rabies? Yep. Even if they're tested, vaccinated, you can import them for uh, lab testing, though. Oh, so you can gosh. import them to Stop. torture them. No. But you can't import them to help them. So that really derailed us. Wow. Um, so I had to find a uh, uh, dog hair. <laughs> <laughs> she has dog hair in her mouth, which is part of the job. I had to find a local person willing to find a property for me to rent in Beijing, China and set up a safe house because the dogs are now stuck. So that's a whole other detour, but flying wise. So China is completely shut down um, for flights. So if you're someone who considers yourself a planner and you might be the type of person who like budgets out for major expenses in advance, or you even proactively download like a bunch of podcasts like this one, LOL. We see you. We see you DG-er. Thanks for downloading every week. We love you. <laughs> um, but 
if you're someone who likes to plan and you want kids one day, and a lot of my friends are getting to that age where they're having kids or thinking about having kids, and I've been telling them about modern fertility because modern fertility, especially if you're someone who likes to plan, like I just mentioned, can help you start getting ready and start doing that right now with their prenatal multivitamin. So it's packed with 12 essential nutrients recommended by OBGYNs, and it supports your body before, during, and after pregnancy. What's amazing is that it's vegetarian, gluten-free, zero preservatives or filler ingredients that you don't need. And it helps balance your iron and other nutrient levels to keep your tummy happy. Mm -hmm. And OBGYNs, they love this stuff. It has 12 essential nutrients that gets your body ready for pregnancy. You could take it before, during, and after. Of course, it is very important to be taking a prenatal during, Um, but they do usually tell you that you should be like on it for maybe like six months leading up to even truly trying the prenatal multi comes with a free beautiful reusable glass jar that you could put your monthly refills in um and if you guys get the subscription it gives you 60 capsules per month you're gonna take two and it's for thirty dollars um, but right now, our listeners can get 30% off their starter kit, including one month of capsules and the beautiful blue glass storage jar at modernfertility.com slash get it 30. That's modernfertility.com slash get it 30. Get it three zero for 30% off your modern fertility multivitamin starter kit. We love the glass jar, guys. I would jump on this. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash get it 30. So prior to that, um, you just had the dogs basically stay at vets and stuff while they were being, well, kind of vetted. Once they're, when they're sick, they stay at the vet. Once they're healthy, they leave no matter where they are. If it's South Korea or China, we have safe houses. Okay. So Do you like, so all your fundraising has gone to, to, to make these houses? Yes. Cool. Have you ever um, had a dog be adopted um, like in China or wherever you find them or only coming to America? The problem is, is one, once they're my dog, then now they're my dog and now they're my baby. And I want to make sure, I want to see them through to to safety. And so knowing that they're coming here, I can protect them forever. If they stay in China, I might lose them. And so once you invest, you know, $5,000 $5,000 in a dog and you, you know, you watch them from the bottom, they're barely alive and now they're healthy again. You know, we don't want to risk that again. Also to own big dogs in Beijing, it's illegal. So you literally cannot own a dog if it's taller than your knee. So Wait, that's, what? Wait, that's why they all have little dogs. Why? Well, some goldens, but they risk it. And so Is the it for space? No, they consider them dangerous. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, yeah. So, I mean, I have videos of the police catching goldens and nets. And they just... Okay. So, these dogs usually come from meat markets. Um, How common is that for people to be eating dog meat over there? So, fortunately, dog meat consumption is drastically on the decline, both in China and South Korea, which is amazing. So, recently, the China's Ministry of Agriculture even labeled dogs as companion animals. So, that's a big win. The city that we actually have a safe house in, Shenzhen, 
they've actually banned dog and cat meat entirely. So okay, that's good. are changing. South Korea has shut down almost all of, of their major meat markets and slaughterhouses since 2018. More people are seeing dogs as companion animals and family members. So things really are getting better and we have to kind of celebrate that. And really the more, you know, people like us are talking about it and raising awareness and making people think about the decisions we make with our pets. Like it all is contributing to that positive change. I think a lot of people don't realize that actually in the United States, it was legal to raise dogs for human consumption up until 2018. So it's not something we're seeing often, um, but it did exist. So really this is happening um, in various parts of the world, not just specific areas. It's crazy. That is so wild. So how, how do these dogs like do when they get off the plane? Like, I mean, I'm sure I was gonna say the plane must be scary for them, but their entire life has been scary. Yeah. yeah. But I was also thinking just the, the, that transatlantic trip for a pet. Yeah. I, I haven't, I've never, Trans-Pacific? No. It's Trans-Pacific or Transatlantic? And crossing the Pacific. Oh, yeah, they are crossing the Pacific. I was thinking, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, because I've never had to flow, I've never had to fly my own pet. And so that's also why I was asking if the dog flies alone and and what that trip is like for the dog. Yeah, so we kind of veered away from the airport stuff with the the ban, but they will all fly, fly under the plane. And so we were having flights out of uh, China for a, lot, a while until it got shut down. And we would send like 22 dogs on a pallet. Wow. Every Get time I saw there. them, every time I would see them leave, I would just cry. I was going to say, what a visual. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Oh, Ashley, that just made me tear up. Like yeah. all them <laughs> coming, going to safety. Crazy. They're all woofing and like it makes me emotional just picturing that. Um, those are like really special days. Um, you know, they land and it's really a long process because they have to clear customs and that's a whole, whole ordeal. We have all these different permits, tons of paperwork. So then do you meet or does someone meet all the dogs there to get them through customs? Is that what happens? Uh, well, customs you can't be involved in, but yes. So all of the homes actually will fly to wherever the big cargo flight. The adoptive parents. Yes. And so that's why like, it's such an insane process. Like the average person is not going to deal with it, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) Mm -hmm. flying to, we had flights land in Vancouver. So we had people coming from the United States Mm -hmm. going to Vancouver. Wow. That is the only place the dogs can land. And so then you have to find people willing to not only take on these dogs, but to, to put up with all these travel hurdles that we have no way, you know, like we have to do it. But if they're willing to fly there, then you know, they're going to take good care of them. Exactly. And so people get really, you know, upset that they want to travel and they can't, but it's like, well, we can't change it. That's Mm -hmm. where they're going. So if you want, like, that's where they're going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a very, it requires so much commitment and, um, that's why anyone like wishy-washy, it just, it never works out because you, they're going to fall off the second you say, Hey, your flight got canceled. We had one home. She drove from Arizona to Seattle to pick up her dog. The flight got canceled as she got to Seattle. And I'm like, Oh my God. The dog's yeah. flight got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, and then, you know, then what? And then I had to tell her, okay, you guys, your dogs aren't coming. Um, 
So another flight for you to LA in five days. And so, you know, the average person would be angry. And so we really look for a certain type of person. And it's so hard to find that person that's just like, no worries. I'll get there. Mm -hmm. I get it. And so, yeah, long story short, they do fly over um, either on cargo pallets with a group of, you know, up to 22 dogs or they'll fly alone. Um, so for, from Korea, you know, maybe we have a small dog. Small dogs can fly cargo by themselves to different airports because it's just one little dog. Um, so, like, we just had two smaller dogs fly to L.A. So, again, it really depends the size of the dog, the origin of the dog, you know, where they're going, um, and then just the current import laws. Um, but they, they can fly on the cabin sometimes, but they have to be small. Um, and we have to have a flight volunteer willing to take yeah. random rescue dog uh-huh. that could be who knows what on a plane with them. Um, maybe they'll bark the whole time. I'll do it. I, yeah. I would obviously do it too. Um, yeah. I'm stressed there. I'm stressed. I'm more. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about how long that flight is without them going potty and eating. Oh, yeah. right. And I remember you guys had one person pick up the dog from JFK and I'm like, how did the dog go from Asia to JFK and not eat and poop and all that? And drink water. Yeah. They obviously get fed a little before and they have a water bottle on their crate. They always have to have water. Um, Most, because they're so used to being in vet cages so long, they know how to hold their potty. Mm -hmm. So I would say 90% of our dogs don't go potty at all and then you know you do have the dogs that are petrified that completely go potty all over themselves so we have everyone yeah it's their i try to see it as their last right of course yeah it's like this is the worst thing that's gonna happen to you from here on out is you're gonna poop on yourself or pee pee and in the bigger picture that's the best day ever for them you know their other their other friends are still sitting dying at the shelter so you kind of have to take your emotion out so much of it and just like get them on a plane so last hurdle people ask if we drug them absolutely not we like to try to practice as much as we can if we you know if we have the chance put them in their crates prep the crates get them used to being in the crates Mm -hmm. using the water bottle um so we have a a safe house in shenzhen and so she'll she'll set them up have them practice in the crates um but yeah a lot of the times they'll shred their puppy pads (laughs) um so um, for the most part, they land okay, but yeah, the flight is really long and scary. They're again confined on a pallet of you know twenty two other dogs barking. They're under the plane like that alone has to be terrifying. It's pitch black, and imagine what they're thinking like, where the hell am I going? Um, but we educate our 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 homes so much. We tell them how to open the crate. We have a whole team there that welcomes them. If it's near me, of course, then I go. Um, so we will guide them every step of the way. It's we have like a videographer, and you almost become like a little family. You know, if your dog lands in Seattle all on this day, like we still have group chats. We text everyone. We send pictures and updates. And if anyone's struggling, they you know we'll talk about it together. So our community is one of the best parts of this all because look at the things they're doing for these dogs. It's just like not normal. And so our community is just so strong. It's just like the best bunch of people. That's amazing. It's incredible. 
Last week we were talking about Lauren's panic attacks, and we we have decided we're going to do an episode on panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, but like Lauren said last week, she has been talking to a therapist on Better Help for a while now, and it's so affordable that you're actually able to do it. Like you're able to chat with her like twice a week. Yeah. You have video chat, or you do phone. I do video chat. I prefer to see the person I'm talking to. I feel like I can convey myself with like my facial expressions and my hands and stuff. So video chat's great. And also um, when I was, you know, having another casual panic attack when I was getting my hair done, I went on my BetterHelp app and I started messaging her. So I was like working through the panic attack without anyone knowing I was doing that. So it's very helpful to have like different methods of talking to your therapist. And I just turned my cousin on to BetterHelp too and we're all getting our brains in order. So I'm so excited about that. Um, BetterHelp has... Um, it's confidential, it's convenient, it's professional and affordable, and it's not a crisis line, but there are so many people that have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Yes, and we want you guys to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month. Your first month. All you have to do is visit betterhelp.com slash get it. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash get it. What, uh, what do you look for in an adoptee? Yeah, so I think the biggest regret I have was when I started, I was like, oh, I'll find you any breed. You tell me what you want and I'll go find it for you. And that really didn't work because, you know, someone will come to you and be like, I want a poodle. And then it doesn't just become, I want a poodle. It's, well, I want a cream colored poodle and if I want them to snuggle and maybe 20 pounds because my apartment has, and then you're just like, okay, no, this is not what rescue is about. No. And so I have to, not to mention when it doesn't act like a poodle and how they view a poodle should be, then they give you, give you the dog back. And so I had to like scratch that and really figure out the type of home I needed. And it came down to number one, your goal has to be that you have that burning desire just to help. Like truly when I, cause I have two dogs from a breeder and I didn't get it pretty much my whole life either. So, you know, I've been there and I've felt that disconnect of, you know, everyone tells you to rescue, but you don't really know why you're just like, I mean, yeah, maybe if it works out, but, um, we're really looking for that person to just like, I want to help. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like you tell me how I can help one of these dogs. And so, um, when I finally got it, like the first dog I found, I was like, I just want to help it. I don't care. I'll pay whatever. I'll do whatever. If I have to fly to China, I'll fly to China. They told me he wasn't good with male dogs. Well, all I had were male dogs. And so, you know, it's like those people that want it, they want to still control it. And it just can't work because it's not going to go how you think. It's not going to go how you plan. You're going to have to work through so many issues. And so we really had to just reformat how we were placing dogs into homes. And out of 500 dogs, I have only had 10 or less sent back to me. Oh, that's which awesome. I'm really proud of that. Yeah, that's a small number. Because most aggressive groups, and I understand why they have to do it, they, they're just desperate for homes. So they just give people dogs. Like, okay, you want a poodle? Here's your poodle. Well, when the poodle doesn't act like they want, then the poodle gets sent back. But what is happening to this dog in the process of all of this trauma? Now, now a dog has another home. Now a dog is sent back again. And it's like no one's thinking about 
what this is actually doing to the animal. And so I had to stop and think about what's best for the animal. And what's best for the animal is someone has a rescue mindset that truly is just like, I just want to help. And the only question that comes to me asking is how can I help? They don't have all these requirements. They don't have these expectations. It has to like my cat. Well, it has to be good with my baby. Well, how would it know? It doesn't know any of that. So will you teach it how to be good with your baby? Will you teach it how to be good with your cat? If not, then I can't put a dog in your house because you have that expectation that they should just know that. And so I think we look for just the people that truly get it, which is very, very hard. And that's, I get why it's hard to, to understand because I think we've been programmed so wrong to think that rescue was almost like the new, just like the new thing. Like you just mm-hmm. rescue, but people don't know why. Yeah. They don't know why. And so they go about it still shopping. I would say 99% of our applications are shopping for a new pet. You know, I want my dog to be like this. People will literally tell me the activities they want their dog to do. <laughs> I want to go hiking. I want a golden retriever that loves water. Well, what oh, if... Loves water. Lauren, that's like you. <laughs> this is so... <laughs> Lauren just loves feeding dogs water. That's all. I just want to make sure they're hydrated. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Have like, what if skin. the dog doesn't like water? What are you going to do? It's okay you know? as long as he's happy. <laughs> I think we're talking about swimming here, right? No. I, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, I thought it was drinking too. Wow. I am just not on earth right now. Amanda, <laughs> this, I actually think this is a really interesting conversation to have because I live in L.A., every person in the world has a dog. And, like, my dad was going on a rant the other day on, like, women aren't getting married anymore. They're just getting dogs. And like, I, I laugh, but it's like actually true. Um, but in everyone's search for a dog, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just think it'd be interesting if we all have this conversation because I've heard people say, I really want to rescue. And I don't know if anyone watches Grace and Frankie, which is one of my favorite shows on Netflix, but Sal on there, the older gentleman really wants to rescue a dog, but it's almost because he feels like he has to say that his dog is a rescue. Right. And nowadays, if, you, if you're at a dog park and you tell someone you got your dog from a breeder, you're kind of... You're look, shunned. You're looked at like as less than. And so I, I don't really have an opinion on this. I don't have a dog currently in my life. I just think it's interesting that some... It sounds like from what you were just saying, people are still shopping for that dream dog that they want in their wedding photo, but they just want to say it was a rescue. And so I also want to open the door to the conversation, which it's like the elephant in the room where attractive dogs just don't necessarily, people would argue, don't necessarily have that big of an issue getting adopted. And so I just wanted to hear everyone's like thoughts on all of this since we're on we're talking about it you mean what do you mean have don't have trouble getting adopted like there are people there are people that would argue there are people i think out there that would argue right like well of course this dog's gonna get adopted it's stunning you know what about this dog i'm not taking a stance i'm just sort of sharing yeah it's not even a question it's more just like i feel like this is something that people are like saying Mm -hmm. i guess is what i'm saying 
It is true that, you know, a beautiful looking popular breed dog is going to get more applicants. Um, when we used to let people, cause we don't even let people choose their dog anymore. That's, that's my, that was oh, my question. Oh, what is, yeah. what does that mean? I want to yeah. get into that in a second, but go ahead and finish the answer. So it became just too much focus on that. Exactly what you're saying. Whoa. We have really cute dogs and I would get literally 500 applications because people are like, that's it. That's my dog. I feel so connected to this dog. And you're like, what, what makes you feel so, I feel so I'm, going, I'm going to admit something right now. I often will forward um, some of your goldens to Jared on Instagram. And every single time he responds with that's Tom, <laughs> that, that's it. That's, that's him. That's Tom Brady. Yeah. No, no, no. That's our future dog. That's, no, I his know. Name is Tom. Tom, yeah. Tom Brady, the dog. Yeah. And it's true. And you have to ask yourself those questions. Like, what are you really connecting to? Yeah. What is it? And sometimes I do feel, I do believe in soul contracts. And I do believe sometimes you can see an animal and just, it, it can be your soul animal. And maybe you really do mm-hmm. feel a connection. Mm-hmm. But when 500 people are emailing this soul connection to this tiny multi-poo, you know, I have questions. Truth, truth. (laughs) So when they get off the plane and there's like 22 dogs in there, the people just grab whatever one? No. Okay. It's like, this is yours. No. Wait, how does it go down? So wait, people don't get to pick their dog? Wait, I'm so confused now because you put on Instagram, you say, this is Maverick. We're looking for applications for Maverick. Yes. Maverick was one of our Tom... (laughs) one of our toms (laughs) so we are looking tom cruise or we are looking for a home for maverick and we do want to we do want to share his story we do want people to feel motivated to help maverick and someone who applies for maverick will probably get maverick Mm -hmm. but if there's 10 people that apply for maverick well are you going to help another dog or you could only help maverick because if you could only help maverick that shows me that your focus is not just to here to help. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very confusing thing because yes, we do want people to apply if they, you know, they feel that connection, but does your help stop at Maverick? Because if it does, I don't want to put any dog with yeah. you because I don't think that you truly understand really the bigger picture. Just and just be honest with yourself. If you want a yeah. dog that looks a certain way, go go get the dog. okay so wait wait. if somebody wants a golden though can they get a golden or do you like will you just give them a poodle if they requested a golden (laughs) it depends it depends so some people aren't good homes for golden so what do you do with those people Mm -hmm. what do you do with the person that you know maybe isn't super active and you know i'm not going to give you a high energy golden and so we do require them they are allowed to tell us or I wouldn't say allowed. I don't want to make it like that. We welcome feedback. We would encourage someone to say, oh, you know, I really would like to rescue a golden. This is what I have to offer. I'm very active. I like to go on hikes. So then that paints us a picture of what this person can offer the dog. So it's all about the dog. If the home can be a good fit for Maverick, that's one thing. If you're not a good fit for Maverick, we ask that you be open to our process and trusting that we will find you a dog mm-hmm. that will thrive with what you have to offer. And so it really all goes back down to that one thing is what is motivating you here? Why are you here? If it is to help, then you won't have any problem with that. Um, but if you do still want to control the situation, 
you might be disappointed, you know, and, and so we do ask people to be open. So if you did want a golden, um, another, another hard part is what if it's a gold, it's what if it's 90% golden and 10% lab, you know, where do you, how do you deal with that person? Mm. And so that's why you have to have people open because it was wasting so much time. People we had on our golden list and they were rejecting dogs that were 10% lab. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's okay. crazy. This is just too much. And so we just went from like one extreme to the other, like no more picking. You have to be here to help. Tell us what you can offer the animal and tell us what you're looking for. And we, you know, we want to make that match come true. We don't want to just be like, oh, here's a poodle because you're not going to be happy. And if you're not happy, the dog's not going to be happy. So we do our absolute best, but attitude is really important for us. And just having a true open heart is really important for us. Um, So I don't know if that answers. Oh, totally. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Uh, So what happens when, like, you post a lot of your, like, so-and-so, you know, the name of the dog, is coming to this airport who is looking to adopt. My question is, how many applications do you have, like, in your repertoire? Are you doing that just to always have a constant flow? Or um, or do you really need more applicants? If I'm posting that we need applicants, it's because we need applicants. So Mm -hmm. say we have... 10 golden or 10 people on our San Francisco list. Well, maybe those 10 people aren't what Maverick needs. Gotcha. And so that's the people 
also mm. don't realize is Maverick is showing me that he's insecure. Like he has shown me signs that I'm very sensitive to, that he's a very insecure dog and he cannot just go into a home that is going to be like, oh yeah, let's snuggle and everything's fine. I don't also don't think he should be in a home with another strong male dog. So people don't realize that like I am hyper analyzing every aspect. Like they might not be a good match for the dog. And so we are always minimizing the risk of the match. And that's another thing. People will say, my dog only likes this dog. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. If your dog is picky about that, well your dog's gonna be picky about something else. So we notice things that people don't notice and we really do ask them to hey trust us because no one wants this to work better than we do. And so it really is just relinquishing all of that control. And it's hard for people. People, like I said, they have to follow me for about a year to say, okay, I've seen it. She matches really good. Mm -hmm. These people are happy. They love their matches. Even if it's not what they, I mean, I have people apply for a golden and now they have a semoid and they're like, I literally would die if you didn't match me with this dog. And so Getting past that need to control is the hardest part, I think, of our entire process. Um, But yeah, it comes down to the best match for the dog. What home is best for Maverick? Right now, I do not have a home that I think is good for him on the West Coast. We had some on the East Coast, but that's not where he's flying. And so everything is a puzzle. Oh, whoa. So it's also based on where It is a puzzle. You need a a database. Well, do you reach out to those people on the East Coast and say, are you willing to fly? Yes, we will. And most say no. And, you know, it's, it's disappointing sometimes because I would, but I realize that not everyone can. And so um, we will, and sometimes people will, we've had people literally pick up a dog from Seattle and drive it back to Boston. We've had people pick up a dog in LA, drive it back to Canada, LA to Texas. I mean, so people are traveling all of the time. Um, And if someone was willing, I would have and if it was his good match, then, you know, if you're down, I'm down. Do you, so we do. Do you ever do home visits to, like, make sure this Ooh, home that's is that's a good okay? question. With COVID, that kind of derailed everything. Yeah. So we have a really intense uh, virtual interview, okay. I guess. And so, you know, we screen people very long. We go back and forth. And we want to get to know everything about you. Um, because, again, we want to get this this match right. We want to make sure that your dog is happy and you're happy with each other. And so, yeah, we look at their whole home. We want to know your schedules. Um, we want to, we know when we want to know everything. We want to know all about your dogs. What, you know, what, as long as you're open to working with your dog, we still want to know about your dog's, you know, quirks so we can make sure it will fit with the other dog's quirks. And so we do take that all into consideration, but a lot of people will use that as, almost like a trap. Like today we had someone tell us my dog can only get along with small dogs. And it's like, okay, well, I can't, I can't give you a dog that I can guarantee is going to get along with your small dog that has problems. And so are you going to take responsibility and work on that relationship? So, um, it really just comes down to getting to know the family and making sure they're open. And we do take into consideration all parts of their home. We then, once they're approved, we will then write a huge profile on each home. So I would say, you know, Ashley lives here. This is her yard. This is her work schedule. These are her other pets in the home. This is her dream dog. And then we're constantly matching. Like, 
okay, you know, poodle doesn't, poodle doesn't make sense for her because, you know, we have a lot of goldens and she has a big yard. So we're going to save her home for a big dog that's closer to her dream dog. And so we do our absolute best to match people with the dogs they want. Um, people just can't get over that part of what, you know, like crossing yeah. that bridge. They just can't get past it. They are just too terrified that they're going to apply for a golden and then they're going to get a corgi mix. And oh my just- God. I would just be so happy to take the Like if they saw any of the videos of them eating yeah. each other, it's like, I don't give a shit what exactly. you look like, you know? Exactly. And that's the hard part. That's what I see. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's such a gap in information because I see these dogs literally starving to death. And does it matter? Like, does it really matter what its breed is? And so there's just like a huge gap between what the general public sees and what I see. And so it's, very hard because there's just so much missing in between, you know, what I see and what they, what they see. Do you have any, I don't want to use the word life changing, but do you have any like really inspiring or maybe one awesome story that sticks out to you when it comes to a dog finding a home that you can share with us? Yeah, we just had one of our dogs, um, Wally. He was a Tibetan Mastiff. Wait, I love Mastiff. Wait, a Tibetan Mastiff? Okay, so I love Russian Mountain (laughs) Dogs. This is like, put me down for (laughs) I'm like, just want a Mastiff. No, No, Amanda, I'm the worst. Like, you would not like me. (laughs) Because my dog name in my head, and I literally roll your eyes, I'm like, that girl, where it's like, I'm naming my dog Reptar. Therefore, he has to be like a Russian mountain dog, a Mastiff, a Bernice. <laughs> Anyways, wait. So tell us about this. Tell us about Wally. So we had, so you know, we used, before COVID, we would rely on flight volunteers to bring dogs back with us. On oh my God, air. I want a Tibetan Mastiff. They're amazing. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> You have to go to go to my go to my Instagram. Says the girl with no yard at all. <laughs> Wait, I literally, I literally just Google image. This is my dream canine. Well, you have to see Wally because he's another level. Okay, I'm gonna look. Wait, tell everyone your Instagram so they can look along while, as we continue buddies, this combo. Buddies, so B U N N Y S buddies, and then he was just on the dodo. Oh, really? Wait, so, wait, what's that? What's the Dodo? Oh my god, you don't follow the Dodo? It's no, like inspiring animal stories. It's all animals. <gasps> no way! So like that's, that's Wally. Wally. He's a lion. Wait, is this Wally? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So tap on his his pictures and yeah. Baby so Wally I, Bear. Oh, he just like earned a new follower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what happened with Wally? <laughs> So oh god damn. <laughs> Sorry, I need to stop. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Okay, I'll I'll excuse myself. I'm sorry. So his family in the picture, they were flight volunteers for us. Yes. You'll you'll have to watch his dodo video because it was just the best ever. Wait, I'm gonna cry. He's a lion. I, I know. His story is just really good and just it captures the true meaning of rescue. Um, yeah. But you should see what he looked like before. We thought he was a golden when we rescued him. He was so starved. So his family was flight volunteers. And so they texted me like, oh, my God, we just saw this golden in a cage. And we're by the Great Wall of China. And now I get it. Like, now I see why you do what you do, because this is horrible. And, like, we just want to help this golden. And he was outside surrounded by snow. And she sends me a picture and they're in the middle of Beijing. And I really wasn't helping dogs back then in Beijing. And so I texted my friend there, my local friend, 
um, that does all my local stuff. And I was like, Hey, like, can you find this dog? We had no address. We had nothing other than like, I think she took an aerial shot of the great wall of China and where she was sort of at. And so my local team found the dog, negotiated the release because it's someone's pet. You can't just go take it. Um, which I feel like we didn't even talk about all that, which is important, important, but, um, we can go back. So they negotiated the release. I think they paid him a little bit like, Hey, can we take your dog? Like the dog is hungry. We found it with a horse skeleton in the cage. The horse skeleton where? He was eating it. Like that was his food. Oh gosh. And so they said, okay. Cause like they don't care about it, obviously. Um, and so they let him, us take him. And so, you know, that family basically started the rescue. And so they text me, like, we want to adopt him. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what breed this dog is. Like, let's just see, just hold on. And so, um, we got him vet care. He started gaining weight, started getting bigger. And they had no clue what a Tibetan Mastiff was. They, and I kept telling them, like, if he is, a, you know, a Mastiff, they, these are guard dogs. Like, if you ever want to have a kid one day. So I'm always kind of like the worried mom that's like, is this a smart decision? And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so they ended up adopting Wally, the people that found him. Aww. And that's why his name is Wally, because they found him at the Great Wall of China. Aww. Um, oh wow but yeah i mean they i think that they probably i don't know what their dream dog would have been but i don't think it would be a tibetan mastiff Mm -hmm. you know they saw a dog that needed help and now he rolls on the floor with their brand new baby not that that you know that's that's risky but you know just in general he's part of the family and yeah i mean to me that's what rescue is you find an animal that needs help you bring it in and now he's part of the family and he will be forever they love him so much that's so good wow wow okay. that's such a good instagram follow too <laughs> amanda so how excited. do how do these people how do people whether they're owners or you know shelter you know a rescue runners like you help improve dogs mental health and recover from this past trauma And that's why it's so important to be so picky. You know, if someone doesn't understand, like I was just talking on my Instagram today about dog bites, you know, the average person, if a dog bites, you think that's a bad dog. Well, it's not a bad dog. That's just how dogs communicate. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same way a cat might bite or scratch, like that's okay for a cat to do. But if a dog bites, now that's a bad dog. It's dangerous. It's ferocious and it should be euthanized. And we think of dogs as like these just cuddly creatures that should never do anything wrong. And really that's the worst type of home that our dogs can end up in. So we really have to find people that understand what these dogs have lived through. Like you have to picture it. You have to think about, okay, my dog has literally off of a meat truck. Like, What does that look like? What does that mean? This dog was crammed in a cage with 12 other dogs. It's been starving. So your dog's going to have some food guarding. You're, you're going to have to work through. So just people that get it, I think is the biggest thing because it is a slow road to recovery. I mean, my dogs, we're still working on their food guarding. Yeah. We're still working on things. And so they, I will tell you, they are so resilient. They learn so fast. There's not a single dog I've rescued out of 500 dogs that has not gotten there. And so it just takes them, it takes, they need their hand held. They need to be shown how they have lived their whole life with no training, no resources. No one has shown them their worth anything. Um, and so 
I mean, it's just the most special thing to take a dog that was someone's trash and just to turn it into a treasure mm-hmm. and to treasure the animal. And so mm-hmm. this, I think a lot of people also think, oh, like, I'm a great home. I'm going to give them pup cups and spoil my dog. And like, <laughs> no, that's not what these dogs need. These dogs need your compassion, but also your leadership, your structure, your guidance. They need to be taught. Um, we actually use an animal communicator to speak with our dogs and our new homes. That's Whoa. the level. That's the level that's I take it to. That's cool. I mean, um, <laughs> should we have them on the podcast? Yeah, I think that Caitlin's used her. I don't know oh, if she okay. had her on the podcast, but Caitlin has used her. I'm pretty sure she's a big fan. And so all of our adoptions come with a free 30 minute session because. Whoa! Sorry, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. We give people so many resources. So I think all this sounds so scary. And when I rescued my first dog, I had literally no clue. I wanted to quit. I was crying every day. I was in over my head. And so my goal was to make rescue not that. I wanted to hold everyone's hand. I wanted to guide them and educate them. Um, and so, yeah, all of our adoptions do come with an animal communication session because we were finding these dogs don't know their home. You know, we know their home. We know you say we save them. We know we're good people, but the dogs don't. And so we had my dog, he would just pace around the house. And I was like, why doesn't he know he's home? Like, he should just know that now he's safe and this is his home. They don't know that. And so it's disorienting, you know, the whole, the whole experience. Yeah. And so my friend suggested to me, like, you should try this animal communicator. And so I used her and just because I was desperate at the time and we asked my dog Hamilton, you know, why are you pacing? And like, why can't you relax? And he's like, well, I'm getting ready to leave. And then we're like, that makes perfect sense. Like all these dogs know, or stop, go, stop, go here, there, you know, like they just bounce around. And so I was like, as soon as we told him, no, you're home. Like, this is your home now. He literally let out a sigh <sighs> and like relax. Oh my God. my God. That makes me want to Cry. Is there a reality show that like? Should we end it on that high, nice note? (laughs) Kind of nice, kind of sad. No, it's it's so happy. What do you mean? He's very happy. I know the dogs sleep a lot once they realize they're home because it can finally rest. Yeah. So I think that's really important because it lets them know, okay, you're safe, and it's 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 out there. It takes a special type of person to, to believe in that, but. That's why I give it to them for free. And that's something that I pay for on my own and arrange on my own because it's just like my little gift and it makes it much better. Like everyone loves their calls. They can tell their dogs what happened. You can ask your dog, where are you from? Like, what was your past life like? Whoa, that's it's so cool. Wait, yeah. we need to do that with your guys' dogs yeah. on yeah, this please. podcast. Oh, yeah. We'll just sit them here. <laughs> Wait, oh that God. would be amazing to find out what Gurgi's life was before because we have no idea. That's true. Yeah, I'll no tell idea. you. It, she can't always, it depends on what the dog says. So, you right. know, you, you might not tell you anything, but like my dog Hamilton, they, she told me that he did have a previous life, a really good life, and he was someone's pet, but the maids um, let him out one day, and he wanted to go back in, and he was trying to find his way back in, and he got out of the fence, and so he became a stray dog in Beijing, and he told us that he was never really loved, um, they kind of ignored him, and um, the children would sometimes play with him, and so she'll tell you a little bit, not always, not all dogs she can connect with that detail but it's cool it's just another resource i give people that's so nice and so cool 
So cool. Oh, uh, yay. Amanda, have, guys, we have to do that on the podcast. Yeah, I think we totally need to do that. If, if you can give us oh, I would love that. contact would and she'd be down. Yeah. But I just want to say, is there anything that you want to add that's important that we haven't covered today? And like where to find you and donate and all the good stuff. 100% and apply. and Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think of any, all the other questions that people ask. I think a lot of people are confused where I get the dogs. Um, like where are these dogs just coming from? And yeah. so um, China is very different than South Korea. Like their systems for supporting animals are just different. And so most people are like, where are you getting all these purebred, beautiful dogs? Like you're secretly breeding them. And so I want to make it very clear where we get the dogs. And so they are bred to be pets. Like these are people's pets, um, whether China or South Korea. And so in China, you know, they do exactly what we do here. If the dog is pulling on its leash or it's too jumpy in the house or maybe it's shedding or maybe they just had a baby or whatever the reason is, these dogs get dumped. And so China, because they don't have these shelters set up as as frequently as we do here, they get dumped to the street. They find themselves sold to butchers. Like the owner will just sell it to the butcher. Well, wait, um, why are they even breeding them in China if apparently you're not allowed to have a dog that big? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense because they still want it. So they want these dogs just like we do. I mean, golden retrievers are popular dogs there and they all want them too. They all think they're cute and adorable. And, you know, it's really no different. The The main difference is when they are failed, they don't have resources like they do here. And so China, they end up at these really terrible, terrible shelters and they have no help coming. So like if groups like me didn't come, these dogs would be dying. Um, so I think that's huge to note like why am I helping these dogs because they don't have any help Mm -hmm. like they don't have anything and then Korea it's very different Korea I rescue mostly from kill shelters and sometimes the street like my one dog Jeju my little white one he's off the street um but a lot of kill shelters and they just kill dogs over beautiful perfect purebred golden retriever just dead because there's no space and no one wants to adopt it. So um, it really is just dogs being bred as pets and just totally failed. And so they find themselves in these terrible situations because they're just not set up to support that turnover how we are here. All right. Well, this has been super informative. And we are so grateful for what you do and for coming on and spreading the message. You are awesome. Thank you, Amanda. And you can follow and apply. It's just, what is it? It's just bunniesbuddies.org? Bunniesbuddies.org, yes. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you, guys. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't get it. Podcast.